Acoustic Sports, Foundation Physiotherapy, and Georgetown Honda present Out of the Park with Barry Davis. This week, we catch up with Eric Kratz, who tells us about one of the hardest transitions that many ballplayers go through, retirement. I actually got a call um, to play again, and it was easy for me to turn down because there was no, I just didn't have that, like, I was in a different mode already. And now, here's a guy who, well, according to the clock, is probably a couple years past his retirement age already. Here's Barry Davis. Oh, come on, man. I, I know I'm a lot closer to retirement than you uh, and most people out there, but heck, heck, I'm ready to work for another 30 years, I hope. Do you think there are, I, I would say that there are countries out there where the, the average of retirement age you've already eclipsed. Ah, well, thank you. You know, I am now just, you ready for this, Tom? All right. I am two years away from preferred parking at Rexall Drugstore. Woohoo! Oh, wow. It's, you know, yeah. it's tiny milestones in life, Barry. It is exactly. Hey, folks, welcome to the show. You are not going to be sorry you tuned in this week because we have a lot of fun coming up with former mm -hmm. Toronto Blue Jays catcher, former New York Yankees catcher, Phillies catcher, Royals catcher, uh, Giants catcher. I'm sure I'm missing maybe four or five. Eric Kratz is going to join us, and we're going to have a great conversation with him and a very lengthy conversation with him this week, Tom. So we're going to get to this right away. And up next, yes, they have had their troubles so far this season. It has not been an ideal start for the Blue Jays, folks. But in one area that many of you think is a huge issue, in fact, isn't. We'll explain next. There's Tom on Barry. You're listening and watching Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. And the first pitch is brought to you by our good pals at Ballistic Sports. Ballistic Sports, the website, Tom, tell us a little bit about the game and I shall go retrieve the board. Absolutely. All right, so Ballistic Sports is the first interactive sport board game medley, if you will. Here it is. It's like your favorite upside-down Monopoly game meets your favorite America's Pastime game. There it is. There. there we go. So the whole thing about this is you play along as you're watching a, a baseball game in this particular case, although they've got other sports. You're guessing what's going to happen next. If you know your baseball, you already know what that pitcher's going to throw. You already know that bunt's going to get dropped down. You can clean house, kick your friend's butt as the Blue Jays kick the American League's butt. Wow. Very well said, Thomas. Uh, if someone <laughs> wants more information, because these games are not available to the general public yet, but if someone is interested, where do they go? At Ballistic underscore sports on Twitter is the quickest and easiest way, or you can check them out on Facebook as well at Ballistic Sports. B-I-L-I-T-I-Z-K. <laughs> Wonderful job, Tom. You did take uh, English in, in university, didn't you? I completely blasted that spelling that we have to actually redo it. No, no. See, this is what happens when you're live on YouTube, Tom. Your spelling <laughs> mistake is there for the world to see and hear. All so right, no retakes. All right. All right. We're going to get down to it, as I said, because we do have a very lengthy conversation with Eric Kratz. Toronto Blue Jays, Tom, uh, we were talking before the show, and coming into Friday night's game, there was a specific part of this Blue Jays team that was doing quite well, and you have numbers to back it up. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, the Blue Jays team ERA is a 3.18. Good for best in the American League at this point. Now, who knew? I wouldn't have been one of the ones. I was, this was the one area of the team. Starting pitching was my biggest concern. Well, actually, no, starting pitching was my concern. I wasn't particularly concerned about relief at all. But I was concerned about the starting pitching. And to see an ERA this low right out of the gate after the bumpy start that we have had, you know, there's a lot of people screaming for 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 heads right now, but it makes you kind of stop and go, wait a minute, you know what? Maybe we're doing better than our record shows. Maybe there's maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe, you know what, that offense is gonna start clicking. And sure, you know, we're not we're not five hundred yet out of the gate, but looking at the best ERA in the American League with Springer coming back, with Hernandez coming back. I'm feeling really excited about baseball this weekend. Would you have any problems with me playing devil's advocate here for a second, Thomas? Never. Okay. I will not argue for a second that the Blue Jays pitching has been better than we thought it would have been. The ERA can be a little misleading in this situation and I'm a big ERA guy. I'm I, I'm not a big analytical looking into all these new numbers and such. For me, ERA, batting average, those types of things mean a lot to me. However, the Toronto Blue Jays defense so far this season has not been good. So I would think that there were probably a number of unearned runs that have been scored against the Toronto Blue Jays this year. And while this will not show up on a pitcher's ERA, keep in mind, if an error happened and then the pitcher went into the tank after that and gave up four, five, six runs, those are all unearned runs, but the pitcher still blew it. <laughs> so do, do you take that as, as some good constructive, you know, criticism to your little theory? Awesome thing that I hadn't thought of it. Yes. Still, though, I'm going to go with my point. And that is in a season right now that started off really, really bumpy, I'm taking this as a huge bright light. So ERA, I'd love to know there, you know, is there a stat? Is there an RA, a run average? You could look at average runs given up per, per game, I'm sure, by team, right? But there's got to, there's a stat for everything, Tom. There's got to be something. That, yeah, let, but a 3.18 ERA, like, that's good. if you had a, yeah, any Blue Jay fan, if you had told us that we'd be in the, top half of ERAs in the AL at this point in the season, we would have taken that and run to the bank. Number yep. one in the league, even with some even with some extra R's in there, we're still doing better than I think we thought we'd do. And again, those bats are coming. And think about this, Thomas. The number of players that are currently not in the Blue Jays lineup. And for the first time here on Out of the Park, for those watching, here is an official Out of the Park graphic for you. Look at this list of names, Tom, and you think of Jordan Romano, right? You got Kirby Yates, who was supposed to be the closer, and then Jordan Merriweather, who was going to be the closer, too. Like, three big arms at the back end of the bullpen. Yep. Not to mention Springer, of course, Teoscar Hernandez, and how many starters, potential starters, are out of the lineup. So, like, I'm not a big excuses guy, but this is, this is a gutted team right now. Yeah, it's, you know, we're right around the league average for, for I think, games lost to injury, which is 
telling that, in and you know, of itself of the state of the game. It doesn't mean anything. Tom, but to no, me... No, yeah, but we're losing big ones. Yes. You're right. Yes. Um, yeah, I, and I don't think... I, I think right now it's, you know, maybe it's COVID time here in Ontario. And, mm. and you know, isolation and, and, and worry about everything is, it kind, of, it kind of goes to be around, right? So let's give it that ray of hope. You're right. Like... They're not as bad as their record indicates, especially when you consider the, the the guys that are coming back. It could be a wonderful May for Blue Jays fans. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna be much happier as a Blue Jays fan base at the end of May than we are going into it. All right, I'm gonna hold you to it. Foundation Physiotherapy presents the Medical Room. Joined by our good pal, Raj Lapaya from Foundation Physiotherapy. Three real locations, one virtual location. And it looks like you're in your virtual location right now, Raj. <laughs> yes. Uh, three locations in Toronto, all still open and safe. And one virtual location for anybody that wants to be extra safe. We're here. Good to know. And what about the real locations? Where are they? Uh, the real locations are all in Toronto, uh, three areas of the city. We have one in the west part of the city or in City Place. One of the east part near uh, distillery and one right at the core. Awesome. Raj, the, the Blue Jays have been hit hard, like really hard with injuries. We could pick any number of players to talk about today. But I want to talk about Jordan Romano for two reasons. Number one, he's a big, big part of the back end of their bullpen. Number two, he has an injury I've never heard of before. The first part I've heard of, Ulner, which to me shoots up a red flag saying that's elbow. That could be a Tommy John, John thing. thing. But what is this ulnar? What, can you explain what it is and what it's called? The ulnar? No, the, the actual injury that he's suffering from. He's got, and, and I know this because, Barry, this is going to shock you, but I have this. Come on. <laughs> well, then tell, tell Raj what it is. So it's the ulnar nerve. But what is the name of this? This, this, it's, it's it, I believe it's ulnar neuritis as well. Neuritis. That's it. That's ulnar it. neuritis. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so ulnar neuritis is actually not not as bad as it sounds. Very, um, essentially, itis. You know, every time we see itis at the end of a at the end of a, a term, typically means there's some sort of inflammation that's happening. So he's likely got inflammation of his ulnar nerve. So the ulna is you know the bone that runs along our this part of our, our hand, we have two bones, both the radius and the ulna. And the ulnar nerve starts kind of around the elbow. And I'm disappearing in my in my virtual screen. <laughs> but uh, the ulnar nerve neuritis probably means he's got some irritation happening around that nerve. Yeah, I know with me, it's funny, because with me, the only time it ever bothers me is if I'm reading a book in bed. And if my elbow is bent, then yeah. what'll happen is these these two fingers will go completely oh. numb. Yeah. So as I'm reading, but that's high. So how would an impingement like this or an inflammation like this, how would it affect? Because the only time it ever affects me is if I'm sitting in bed reading or if I've got my elbows flexed for a long period of time. How would this affect a pitcher and his ability? Well, uh, likely he's, he's, that nerve is inflamed because he's been overusing it. So he's, you know, he's going to have to take time off, rest it, heal it, give it, give it, give it what it needs to kind of take the irritation off and then go back in and do a lot of stretching, right? Essentially, you want to have, you want to have the capacity of the nerve to continue to repeat the same movement again and again. 
So you can do like nerve stretching and obviously strengthening exercises with the elbow to give it the capacity to take on that load. So Raj, when you think about something like that, could it lead to something more serious? I mean, because we were at off the top, we were talking about what the ulnar is. And we know that when you hear ulnar, you think elbow, you think Tommy John surgery, you think that uh, Ari Dickey doesn't have one. But could, could, could what Jordan Romano uh, it has lead to something worse if it's not addressed? Oh, of course, right? Like, like if, if, if the nerve keeps getting inflamed, it creates a lot of scar tissue, then eventually there, will, there won't be much space in there. That'll create like a significant impingement. So clearly he's experiencing symptoms. They found some inflammation around that ulnar nerve at the elbow. So they're, they're scaling them back, which is a smart move to make because it'll prevent any worsening of the ulnar nerve uh, in that region, especially for a pitcher, right? For the treatment of this, is it a long-term thing that he's going to have to take care of for, you know, even after he's back and be careful and guard against for the rest of the season? Or is this just something that hopefully once the initial inflammation wears down that he's going to be good to go and this won't recur? Great, great question. I think there's always two types when we, when we treat, there's always two ways to treat. One, we got to treat acutely, so we got to treat the problem that we see, the big fire. So right now the big fire is that, that irritation of the elbow. They're going to treat it with ice, rest, stretching, everything they need to bring his pain down. Now, once he goes back to playing as an athlete, he's going to have to understand that his weak point is probably his elbow because he uses it a lot. So from a prevention standpoint, phase two, that never stops. For, and for an elite athlete, that should never stop because, you know, part of your training should always be injury prevention. And if you know there's a certain area in your body that's more prone, you're constantly working with your trainers to keep it strong because of, of the role that you do on that team. So there's the acute management, which we'll see him off. And then there'll be the long-term management, which he'll do. He'll still be back to playing, but he'll probably be doing it off, off the field. Well, Raj, Ari Dickey doesn't have an ulnar. You do have an ulnar, you, but you have no nerve. So... <laughs> You make no sense sometimes, Ben. Just he tries. Just, 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 stick to, just stick to those, just stick to those slick looks. Leave the brains to me, okay? Talk to you next week, buddy. All right, joining us from his home in Pennsylvania is former Toronto Blue Jay, former New York Yankee, former Milwaukee Brewer. How many teams did you play for, Kratzy? Fourteen organizations, eleven big league teams. So just let's get on with it. Let's. Go. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it is a lot. Did you? Now, we've asked a lot of players this because you commented on my uh, my incredible jersey behind me, which uh, I could send you an autographed copy of if you want. Uh, but were you able to grab anything from each team so that you have some kind of collection? I grabbed it all. I was, Good. Taking, other pe- I was taking other people's jerseys. No, I, you know <laughs> what? I, I, def- I credit my wife because she was always like, well, make sure you get a jersey. Cause you know, very few times did I come to the field and then they were like, uh, we're going to fire you. You know, you kind of saw it coming. So it was like, mm. she was preparing me. She did a good job of, I wish I had taken some of my minor league jerseys too. Cause as much as like they yeah. recycle those year after year, like I wore in my rookie year, I wore uh, George Bell and, and David Wells pants. Cause they had their names in the back of them along with like, 16 other minor leaguers for the medicine hat blue jays but you know that kind of stuff i think it would be cool to hang up be like why do you have some ripped up patched up pants but i took i have a jersey from every team almost all my spring training jerseys yeah even my fall league jersey i was gonna wear my fall league jersey on the on the podcast here oh come on you should have you should you please tell me you have the bacon pants the big no see now the pants 
they don't allow that kind of stuff. But one of the things I'm finishing my basement, they allow us to keep the hats. And you know, new era hats are like $30, $40 a piece. And for my big head, the only thing you can use the hats for is either a trash can or I can wear them. So we have, I have a bag. It's actually a Blue Jays bag downstairs in my basement. And once we finish the basement, we're about halfway right now. Once we finish the basement though, I'm gonna have all this stuff displayed. And the basement wall, the one basement wall is 57 foot long. And I think all of my hats from all my minor league teams and big league teams will fit. Cause you gotta figure we had military hats, we had bacon hats, we had chicken hats. We had, you know, <laughs> five hats for the New Haven Ravens. And I played for them for two days. Um, the New Hampshire Fisher cat, you know, how many hats we had, different commemorative hats, Mother's Day hats, Father's Day hats. I mean, Canada Day hats, yes. St. Patty's Day. So <laughs> there you go. Like, and like, look how cool that hat is. Oh, it's awesome. I love this. It, I love like, this. Hat. That's, one of, that's one of the nicest Blue Jay hats that's out there. And the Blue Jays have, I mean, shoot, I'm, I'm going to go, if we take a just a quick second behind this wall here, I'm going to go get my, fall league jersey and you'll be like oh remember when they used to have those jerseys Blue jerseys all the time go for it all yeah right. keep the fans busy. <laughs> all right so eric kratz is going to go off and uh and get his jersey tom i this love gives you that an opportunity. down jersey thing oh my god yeah like for minor leagues who would have who thought in like double a triple a you're wearing george bell's pants like, or david wells's pants like well i'm going to tell you an interesting story which, you know, I, I'd really love Eric to hear. There he is. So let's see this first. They actually put your name on it, and you're going to put it on. Beautiful. Oh, I'll do the whole. Oh, just oh, unfortunately, go. the logo is just really awful. Just, the... Yeah, but it's so. What do you it's think retro. of when you see this logo? Who do you think of? David Wells. Bautista. Bautista? No. Bautista. That's Rookie, what I think of. When he first got traded. For me, it's. It, it's... Traded. No, you're. Yeah. For me, it's Vernon, it's Vernon Wells. Vernon Well Vernon Wells, I think of, or I think of Doc just sweating. Oh, yeah. Just like yeah. just drenched. Okay, what do you think of when you see these? And please tell me, please tell me you saved these. Oh, I saved all but I never got any from the Blue Jays. No, I know. You got them from Every, Kansas City. The, Phillies, the the Brewers, the Yankees a couple times. Um yeah, I saved I saved all of them with some champagne bottles. Hang them, hang them in the, I call it my dig me room. They still smell of champagne though, which is the amazing thing. The, the smell never goes away. Never. And I think it's a cheaper champagne. The ones, the ones from like the farther we got in the playoffs, like after we beat the Blue Jays, that was, that was tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> goes from like Spumante Bambino to, to the real stuff, right? They buy the they buy the champagne. It's like it tastes like cardboard, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, these bottles are like actually like pop top. They're not screw top." And see, I was curious when when the Blue Jays made their the you know clinched the playoffs and they had their first celebration. They were pouring boxes of wine over top of people, so you kind of see where it starts, right? You hey, just like they said, started from the bottom. Now you're here. That's right. You know, it's funny. You bring up 14 teams, so you've got a lot of memorabilia, uh, memorabilia, obviously. When you're done the basement, what goes in the middle? What goes in the, the prime spot on the mantle? The sweet spot. There yeah. is, there is, there in the center of the wall, it's like 
it laid out perfectly. So the center wall, we're just trying to decide what is going to go there. I have a picture that Josh Hader had painted for me by an artist in Pittsburgh. You've probably seen the guy's stuff. I'm not sure what his name is, but he's done a lot of stuff. And it's a picture of me holding Hader up in the air after he got the final out in the NLDS. Um, and it's like, I mean, it's, I like to say it's life size. It's ginormous. <laughs> or I also have like a ginormous uh, case and I'll hang a jersey in there. Like I have, I have so many jerseys that are, that mean a lot to me. Um, you know, from my Team USA jersey to my, you know, my playoff jerseys to the World Series jersey, you know, just different stuff, different stuff. And so it's between those two things. That is the, that's the creme de la creme. Grazie, you, I, I'm thinking that when your baseball career started, if somebody told you that you'd be playing as many years as you did, you'd probably say, you know, that's incredible. Yet a lot of players still have some struggles when their career comes to an end, trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do next? I know a lot of the catchers we've spoken to, they say physically, thank God, because my knees can't take anymore. But from a mental standpoint, it's really hard, especially finding a way to fill that competitive void in them. So has there been any challenges for you? What's it been like for you now that you are not playing anymore? I mean, it's, it's such a multifaceted question, but it's, it, I'm, I was incredibly blessed to play almost 20 years, 19 years, and I can walk away. I, like, I can actually walk. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's so many guys that are catchers that are just hanging on by a thread and their bodies are just cashed. Fortunately, just the other day I saw uh, Yadier Molina caught his 2000th game and I caught, you know, I watched 2000 games while I was playing of other people catching. I watched a lot of games. So physically I have been incredibly blessed that my body doesn't hurt. Uh, you know, my face doesn't look that good, but that's not from the catching. That's just from life. But we, you know, we, we know so much more about nutrition and all that stuff. So physically, I am, I feel great. Like, I felt like I could have played for another five years. Being home you know, was the biggest, was the biggest thing that was so important for me and my wife and my kids. And so spending that time at home before, well, they're off at college. Uh, my oldest is 14, then 12, and then my daughter is eight. Uh, she thinks she's going to college next year, but that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> there's, but mentally for me, now that the season is going and I actually got a call um, to play again, and it was easy for me to turn down because there was no, I just didn't have that, like, I was in a different mode already. And my, my, one of my buddies got the same call to play for the same team and he accepted it, but he went out on a different note. He was still a good player. He couldn't get a job. And so it was like, I want to go out on my terms is what he said. And he's like, this is a great opportunity to play. And so for him, he's like, I'm taking it. Like I I'm going, I'm going for it. And I'm so happy for him. But for me, I just, I didn't have that being out of it for 
five months and thinking I'm not going to play anymore. I just didn't have, I, it was amazing. I didn't have that spark of like, yes, I got to go do it. But I also went as much as, as much as a backup catcher career for a player can go out on top. I went out on top. Like I, I got to play my last season. It was a month and a half season. So it didn't really like drag on my family. We got to go live in a resort for three weeks during the playoffs. Um, yeah, we lost in game five. It would have been great if we had won the World Series. And I caught the last out for the New York Yankees and we won the World Series. But you can chase that forever. You can chase earthly things forever. And I have been incredibly blessed to, in my opinion, go out on top. Because I have my health. My family still loves me. Because the game will the game will suck all that away from you. If, if you let it, the game will suck that away and not even care. And so I'm incredibly blessed. Like my, when we, when we went home game five, we lost and the families would ride from the Padres stadium to back to the hotel. And my kids were on the bus with me and my boys were, they, you know, they were, they were fighting back tears. And I was like, guys, like there, there's no, better way for me to go out other than to win the world series they're like but we want to see you keep playing and all this stuff i'm like you can watch highlights of me playing like there's not you, you didn't really see me play a ton like i played every four or five days and now i'm going to be home and whatever my next job is you know we're going to work it around whatever that you know that family time is best so I'm incredibly blessed. Like I don't, I have, I have outlets for my competitiveness. Uh, that's not, that's not lacking. Let's put it that way. You know, walking away from the, from the game as a catcher after such a long career is one thing, but you know, I've seen some clips of you playing a position other than catcher. Oh, wait a minute. And I'm a, I'm a big knuckleball guy. And last year, you were floating just gems against Boston. I think it was Martinez tagged you and went deep, right? Uh, that was but, on a heater. <laughs> oh, yeah, Not exactly. Not on a knuckleball. That was on a heater. Your right. knuckleballs were sublime. Like, like no no spin, no roll, no nothing. They just dive out of the zone. Was there a part of you? Like, if, if an offer came and said, hey, try it as a knuckleballer, would there have been a party? Because that's every five days, too. All right, well, while Eric answers this, for those who have never seen this, and this is not the first time you've done this, because I know you did it in Milwaukee, too, but... Um... And Eric Kratz is on the mound because, of course, he is. And he deals a strike. Got to get ahead with the heater. He's probably going to have to feature a knuckleball. <laughs> That's gorgeous. Now, this is my favorite oh, one. Yeah, good one, too. The next one coming up, Kratzy, has got to be my favorite of all time. I don't know if you can hear this. No, we can't hear it. Uh-oh. Was that Kratz who said look out? <laughs> <laughs> So, that, I don't, but I but I yelled, "Look out!" Yeah, I don't know if the yeah. microphones intentionally picked you up because they knew you were pitching, but them yelling, them saying, "Was that Kratzy who said look out?" And uh, so, what? What? Yeah, to follow up on what Tom was kind of going at, uh, talk about that opportunity to actually pitch again before your career was done. I mean, that was, it was fun. Obviously you never want to, you never want to be like, Oh man, I'm in the game. Like, that's so awesome. We're getting blown out nine to one in Boston, <laughs> but there is, there is a strategic advantage to it. You don't have to use another pitcher and 
and longevity in a season, success in a season for your bullpen is all predicated on the fact that, you know, they got to stay healthy and you can't just run dudes out there and not expect your team to just slowly, slowly decline as the season goes. And so it's an opportunity to help the team. Yes. But it was a blast to pitch too. And to come back and throw the knuckleball, the only way I would have come back to throw the knuckleball is if a team said, Hey, you can be our knuckleball pitcher. You only need to show up once every five days. It wasn't the playing. Like for me, I could have, I feel like I could play every day. It was showing up and being at the ballpark and being away from my family and like all that that entails. Like, so no, I would, it, it wasn't, you know, I got an opportunity. Like I said, the call that I got to play was something that was going to be awesome. And it's just, it's more time away from the family. And that's yeah. not, that's not the game I'm, I'm trying to play. Even if I do get to throw a, a knuckle puck up there every once in a while. You know what? What what would be nice is if you could have gotten Ari Dickey or Tim Wakefield or Stephen Wright and put the catching gear on them and said, "Okay, now you're going to catch me throwing the knuckleball, so you can see what it's like." Like, did you ever? Did you have a lot of experience catching knuckleballs? Just uh, let's see. In 2005, I caught Charlie Zink. I don't know if you remember. He came through with the Red Sox for a little bit. Uh, made the big leagues. You know, probably about a year. And then 14, when I came yeah. over to the Blue Jays, is they traded for me to catch Dickey, and I never did except spring training. And I would love – if there was anybody I would love to throw a knuckleball to, and I know he wouldn't think it's a good knuckleball because nobody ever had a better knuckleball than R.A., but <laughs> I would love to throw him knuckleballs. And as soon as he misses one, I'd love to stand there on the mound and go. <laughs> Is is Josh Tolley one of the most underappreciated baseball players there's been? Josh Tolley is. Josh Tolley is the best. Josh Tolley is the abuse that he took catching that knuckleball, not just from the fact of the pitch, like how difficult the pitch was to catch, but also from Dickey being like, well, you should do this or you should do that. And, you know, it's like, Dickie, you get back there. You get back there and you catch it. And like he would, he just like totally was the greatest, the most patient, like kindest, forgiving person ever. So yes, he is very underappreciated. Tom, Tom, remind Eric what Tolly told us yeah. when he was One on the show. Uh, it was oh that that Dickie called the game from the mound. He didn't call anything. <laughs> Other other than he, if he was going to, if Dickie was going to throw a fastball, he'd let Tolly know. Otherwise, everything is a knuckleball. But he had Tolly would have no idea which knuckleball was coming at him. Because Dickie didn't know. <laughs> it, it was so. So I flew out. They traded for me. I flew out to Tennessee in the dead of winter to catch him at Lipscomb University. Where I remember that, yeah, out. and. The first time I catch him is in a white walled gym, like a secondary gym at Lipscomb. And so I'm cat, I'm trying to catch him. I'm chasing some of them. Um, I'm like, ah, you know, didn't go too bad. And he's like, afterwards, he's like, Hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. If you miss them. Cause I don't even know where they are. 
I don't know where they're going. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that, like calmed me down a little bit. And I get to spring training and I'm talking to one of the trainers and one of the trainers is like, yeah, I heard you went out and caught Dickie and it didn't go real well. Well, there's only one of two people that could have told him that and it wasn't me. <laughs> and I'm like, geez, Louise. I'm like, you're over here driving the bus and backing up over me, throwing me under the bus and telling me, eh, don't worry about it. But to other people, hey, this guy sucked at it. So, yeah, it'd be, it's difficult. You, you don't know which way it's going to go. You don't know which way the wind's going to go. You don't know. He wanted the roof open or roof closed. So him calling the pitches, there was one game totally, totally caught every single one of his knuckleballs, which probably isn't good. It probably means it's getting it waffled. <laughs> and after the game, Dickie comes up to him. He's like, hey, he's like, I don't think the umpire – can see your black glove as much. So you need to switch your glove. So he, he made him switch the glove he was using to try to, to try to get more strikes. <laughs> and as in totally fashion, he's like, okay, that's cool. When in reality, he should have been like, Dickie, you didn't have a good knuckleball. It got waffled today. I think we've all worked with a boss like that, right? They got to find one thing wrong, no matter how good it goes. I, I should say, I've seen Tolly. Um, when we had him on the show, I talked to Tolly about it. Uh, I, I was right above the bullpen in the Blue Jays uh, in, in the Dome and watching his warm-up. And I thought it was just the bullpen catcher because this poor guy was just getting pilloried. Like, it, it, he might as well have been standing in front of a BB gun. Like, he was taking it off the shoulder, off the head, off the knee. And we were talking totally about it. He was like, no, no, that would have been me on a game day. <laughs> 100%. 100%. time. Like I said, I only taught him in spring training. But I, we were in Philly. We were in Clearwater. And I was catching him. We were facing Cliff Lee, and Dickie was throwing. And it was a night game. And in Clearwater's bullpen, it's kind of, you know, it's a minor league stadium. It's a little dark. And I, I didn't think anything of it. I whiffed. I whiffed on a knuckleball. Hit me square in the chest. But fortunately, it just dropped straight down, picked it up, threw it back. Like, I, like it bounced off my chest, off the ground, into my glove, back right, right to Dickie. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. Like, whatever. And the year before, I had played with the Phillies. And one of my friends was Cliff Lee, who was warming up in the other bullpen. And when he warms up, it's like, boom, boom, boom. You know, he's working fast. Dickie throws another one about two knuckleballs later. Boom. Hits me. I mean, no glove right in the middle of my left inner thigh. Just whiffed. Just whiffed at it. No glove. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Next one right inner thigh so now i've got it all i got all areas taken care of i'm walking in cliff's walking in because i'm like oh my gosh this is gonna go terrible like it's a night game i'm not gonna be able to see it end of that story is i didn't miss a single one that game so it was just the lights that's what i'm saying but i was a human i was a human a human pitching dummy for him in the bullpen and I walk in and Cliff walks in at the same time and walks by me. He's like, hey, did a great job of knocking those down. See you're working on your blocking. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. Now, on the exact opposite end of, of Dickie was Jason Fraser. And 
we joke with Fraze when he was on the show about the amount of time between pitches. And as a catcher, I mean, just once, I think it would have been cool if you brought like a, 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 a thermos. And after you threw the ball back to him, you would just open it up and pour yourself a coffee and have a drink, you know, scratch what needs to be scratched and get ready. And Fraser still. But did, did you ever did, – did you know why it took Fraser so long? Because when he told us, we were blown away. So literally, between pitches – he would be thinking to himself, okay, if this guy gets a hit and this run scores, my ERA is going to go up to this, and then what's going to happen? Will they put me in a situation like that? To know that all that crap was going on in his head between pitches, it, it was so eye-opening to know what that guy must have been going through. It, it, so in, let's see, we traded for him in 14 mm -hmm. with the Royals. And then he came back again in 15. And during that time, they had started talking about bringing the pitch clock to the big leagues. You know, obviously we still don't have it. You know, they still want to, they want to institute so much, you know, so much crap that, you know, you never know what's going to happen or isn't happening. But I asked him about that. He, and the answer he gave me was, I just got a lot of going, I got a lot going on up there right now. Apparently so. <laughs> So I joked with him because the year that he, the year that he finished in fifteen, the Royals the Royals designated him, the Braves picked him up for a quick second, they designated him, and he had like a one two seven ERA, like he was smashing it. He was doing so good, and he's out of the game. And I'm like, hey, they haven't. They, I texted him. I said they haven't instituted the shot clock yet. <laughs> I was like, you can still pitch. Because I told him during that time, I'm like, hey, if they institute this thing, you're done. You're done. You are going to either – it's going to be ball one, ball two. They're just going to – you know, they're going to fine you, whatever it is. He's like, yeah, I've gotten a few letters. So <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> – you know, is it is it possible? Like, so you're working with these guys as a catcher, and you know, obviously Jason Fraser is on the 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 slowest end of the spectrum. But is it like you you've worked hand in hand, and you're known for how great your influence has been on pitchers over the years? Um, does every pitcher have their own method? Like, you know, the guys that go fast is that the way they have to pitch to be that competitive? And for a guy like Fraser, does he have to take that time to be able to compete at that high level? Oh. I, I think, you know, I, I think results, especially in the big leagues, results tell the entire story. And I would never tell a young pitcher coming up out of the bullpen, hey, watch some watch some video of Jason Frazier. You know, take 10 minutes. You'll be able to watch three of his pitches. <laughs> you know, I would never tell anybody to pitch like that because if you watch the best pitchers, throw the pitch, get back on the mound, ready for the next pitch because because <clears throat> baseball's different in the sense that the defense has the ball every other sport the offense has the ball and so you think okay attack 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 the defense has the ball but as a pitcher you still need to be on attack and I would never tell phrase to not do what he did because he was extremely successful extremely successful uh, I mean, I think he had a 40-plus save season, 38 saves with the Jays one year. I, I don't know what it was, but 
extremely successful. So do what you do. And that's the biggest thing as a catcher was optimizing whatever they do to the best, to the fullest. And that's what all the analytics things these days, that's all they're doing. They're doing the exact same thing that I've done my entire career. You're trying to optimize each player's value, one, in the game, two, for the season, and three, for their career. Like, what's going to make them the best? And so whatever that is, you have, it has to be individual for each guy. And a lot of pitchers, it might sound crazy that a, big league, a pitcher can make it to the big leagues and have no idea what's best for them, but you can get through on talent. And I've been very fortunate <clears throat> to not have talent, so I had to learn these things, you know, because I don't have – I never had the talent to, well, I'm just going to be better than you at the big league level or at the AAA level to win. So I have to take advantage of different things. And, you know, cause we're talking about it now pace of game is one of those things. The more you can control the pace of game on the defensive side, in the batter's box, on the mound, you're, you're always going to be better off. Eric, we have uh, three of our out of the park insiders who we're going to invite on in just a second. But first we've got a, a couple of other memories. I do want to share with you. We like to do this with our, with our guests to kind of, you know, think about what life was like back in the day. And uh, so I'm going to ask about what do you remember about this moment here? And I actually took this photo. You did. I did. Oh, man. I did not. I had no idea. Yeah. That's one of my, that's one of my greatest, greatest memories and greatest photos and series of photos that I have in, I think you, yeah, you said that to me. I did. I remember that. Cause I have another one where, where I'm holding their hands and they're walking and we're walking in the outfield. And I actually have that blown up. If it was bigger, that would be the centerpiece picture. Oh, I am honored. You're bad. You're a photographer. <laughs> you didn't even know it. I'm not a, fr- yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> well, you actually tried to be a photographer once too. I remember you hijacked my cameraman's camera and decided to start shooting around the Jay's clubhouse. I did. I did. I was ahead of my time. I was like a, I was like a blogger, vlogger before there was vloggers. Uh, but no, this, <laughs> this moment, like we, we had just won the American league championship. The fans are clearly all still in the stands celebrating it, but I get to celebrate with my family. You know, mm-hmm. you don't see, I'm trying to think, not this picture, my daughter's somewhere running around in the background um but they picked these brooms up because we swept the orioles and the fans had threw brooms on the field and so we were walking around parading the trophy around and all this stuff we hadn't sprayed champagne yet but my wife and my daughter are on the field and to experience like this as a team unbelievable like up here mm-hmm. as a family up here you know, with the fans, it just all came together. And it's just, it was an incredible moment. I didn't even play in the game. And a lot of people will look back and be like, oh, you were on that team? I was on the team. Yeah. I, I celebrated. So I was, you know, I just had a great, I just had a great seat for the game. Just like the people up in the stands in the background had a great seat. I had a great seat. But it was something that was such an awesome experience to know we're going to the World Series. But also the Royals allowed – 
us as a family to experience it together. We went in after this and we sprayed champagne. And obviously, like you said about your goggles, they still stink. Well, champagne is just <laughs> like, I'm not really sure. Like it's a really, del- it's a delicacy and mm-hmm. it stinks. Like champagne stinks. Like you have to get the really high end champagne mm-hmm. for it to be like, wow, that is delicious. Or you put orange juice with it. I think, I don't know yes. anything you put orange juice with that isn't good. But it's true. So we're, we're spraying that and it's all over the exact clothing that I'm wearing there. And we have a picture of me. I came out of the clubhouse and it's a picture of me my and my entire family. And the one on the right, the boy on the right here is my oldest son, Brayden. And he's going like this in the picture because <laughs> he's smelling the champagne. So when we went to the playoffs in 18, obviously quite a bit bigger, we've laughed about that picture for a long time. We have another picture of all of us in the Cubs clubhouse because we had clinched to go to the playoffs and I was covered in champagne again. And he's like this, <laughs> but obviously quite a bit bigger this time. Oh yeah. Here we go. My wife just dropped the picture off. See if we can, well, you have to send that to me. We'll put Wait, it in the show. I love it. Go. See if you can see that's a little. But anyway, love it. There awesome. he is. You know, holding his holding his nose, and the other one's right here cheesing, and she's like, "I want a lollipop." <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, the memories and memorabilia stuff that I am so excited to hang up in my digme room. Most of the players that we have had on the show that have kids will say that when they played, their kids were too young to actually get it. And it wasn't until years later that they went, oh, Dad, you, you were a ball player? Oh, that's so cool. You were, you were a big deal. Your kids were old enough. So for them, was it just, this was just normal life? You know, Dad plays baseball. Probably everybody's dad does this for a living. <laughs> I, I think, I, I, I feel like because of the experiences that we've gotten to have, I feel like we, uh, my wife and I have talked a lot to him about like, Hey, this isn't real life. Like you don't just get to finish a Sunday game, run the bases with everybody six times when everybody else has to go back into the, you know, back into the stands into their car. And then after everybody leaves, you get to take BP on the field. Like this isn't, this isn't real life. This is what we do. And this is one of the perks but you know dad has to leave on monday because we have an off day but we have to fly to san francisco after the game so there's you know i feel like we we communicated with them a lot but there's still stuff that they they don't uh you know they don't necessarily there's no way they can experience it without you know experiencing something else so when my son started playing baseball you know little league field it's not the same but now that they're on the big field some, my oldest is on the big field all the time. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, because he used to take ground balls every day after spring training. We used to hit ground balls to him, and he's like, oh, man, there's some bad hops on this field. I'm like, yeah, but there's going to be a lot of bad hops. Like, there's there's no big hops, bad hops on the spring training field. Like, you're just learning to field the ball and all that stuff. So there's – there's things that they, especially last year in the playoffs, like if you look up the Aviera Resort in Carlsbad, California, it is 
immaculate. And that's where we went for the playoffs. And that's where we got to stay. And I, and I told them a ton of times, I mean, there was games in there, there's video games, there was cornhole, there was a, a golf simulator for everybody to use just for free, just access because the whole resort was just for us and the race. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I was like, guys, I was like, every other year the Yankees have ever been to the playoffs, which has been a lot. They don't allow families to come. And now you guys get to come and enjoy this food. All you want. There's coolers here. There's, you know, you can, you can get snacks all the time room service like this isn't normal like enjoy it mm-hmm. don't take it for granted but don't take don't don't take it you know don't take it to an extreme either so i think there's a lot of experiences that they got to have but i think they've handled it really well too kind of like going into the clubhouse i've told them tons of times you go into the clubhouse and if you don't act right you won't go back so if you enjoy going in there enjoy it. If Barry Davis comes up to you and says hi, and you're like, well, like you talk to people, you make eye contact with them. So it was a really, really good experience. And it helped them become the young men that they are and helped my daughter become jealous that she couldn't go into the clubhouse because, you know, there wasn't, you know, we couldn't have girls go in there. So she's mad at me about that, but I bought her a puppy. So she's not mad anymore. <laughs> puppy solve everything tom yeah exactly oh sorry i thought you were going for picture number two. Oh, okay yeah. i got one more for you then kratzy i don't think that's the right call really better get used to it kid you're in the big leagues now bacon doesn't seem like a healthy decision this is gotcha's turkey bacon it's 94 percent fat free contains almost half the sodium of regular bacon and has guilt-free taste well, that sounds pretty good. Yep. Got y'all's turkey bacon. It was, <laughs> it was my, it was my dad's company. Um, he was partners with another guy. He's, he actually, you, you could have a whole podcast on the, the growth and success of that company, but it started as I worked there and it was just a, it was a butcher shop. Uh, we had, we had stands down in Philadelphia. We had market stands down in Philadelphia and we would, we would cut meat for, you know, for customers that would come in to the stands, but we also serve restaurants and I mean, restaurants, country clubs, not, not necessarily like grocery stores because grocery stores, you know, cut their own meat, but it was, it was a butcher shop. I mean, and it was something that, you know, there's very few of them around anymore, but it turned into a meat processing plant. And one of the main products was turkey bacon. So my dad's partner is the extremely innovative one. He's the one that is more forward thinking. My dad's more like nose to the grindstone. Like, what do we need to do? I'll get it done. Let's get it done. And his partner is like, Hey, let's, uh, let's take advantage. And this is how it came up. He's, I was playing for the Phillies. I had some success, the local kid playing for the local team. And he said, let's, let's get a commercial. And at that point they had no commercials, zero commercials. And it was 2012 and they were going to run it in 2013. Um, 
during Phillies games and before Phillies games and after Phillies games, they bought some spots and we did three commercials. Uh, that umpire is an actual actor. So I guess I'm technically an actual actor also. You were better than him. I don't have many spots. I don't have as many movies as Barry has, but <laughs> I am, and I'm not as good in front of the camera as you, as you are. So that was, but it was, it was fun. It was something that was cool. And they asked me to do it. And his partner actually contacted me to do it. Not my dad. My dad was like, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's really gonna, really gonna work, but I guess that'd be cool. Like, <laughs> and his partner's like, yeah. And it, it's blown up. I mean, I don't know how many people have seen it on YouTube. It's it's gotten a lot of hits, and it, it ran for a while. And they're actually good commercials. You know, those local mm-hmm. commercials are usually like, "Hi, I'm Eric Kratz, <laughs> and here's turkey bacon." You know, <laughs> like a fake background or something yeah. like that. But you know, it was, it was corny. There was there was one too where they had a turkey dressed up as a pig. And that was my favorite. That's the one that gets a lot of the, the, the best traction. I liked it. I liked it. I was I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I'm either gonna win a Grammy or a Tony Award. I'm not sure. One of the two. I'm just waiting for it to come. It's more like What's your favorite product out of the uh, out of the company. Out of the company. What do you put on the grill? What do you cook first? I love the turkey bacon. Turkey bacon is tonight's pizza night, so there's gonna be turkey bacon on the pizza if we have some in our. Fr- See, I've never had turkey bacon on pizza before. Oh, have you ever had bacon on pizza? Yeah. Well, there you go. I love less guilt, and still all the flavor. <laughs> See, you still got your chops, man. There we go. You may not be able to. S- <laughs> you you can squat and you can act. There's a ton of stuff, but the, the turkey bacon is. So when people hear turkey bacon, they usually think, "Ugh, that's terrible," and I never. Before my dad's company started making turkey bacon, I had never had it, never had it before. I'm like, who wants to eat turkey bacon? Just eat. It's actually good. And the the bacon, the turkey bacon that looks like real bacon, where they it looks like they put like a line of white mm-hmm. in there, it is awful. I think it's awful. <laughs> if you get turkey bacon that looks like like ham, like it does in the commercial, yeah, yeah. it is most likely most likely my dad's company. They you can't patent you can't patent completely a recipe because somebody could just be like, oh well, I put a teaspoon less of salt in there, and so that's a new. So you can't technically, but it's very few. I think only one other company has been able to duplicate it because of the process of it. But anyway, if it looks like that, that's where that's where it's at. In this, I don't know where I don't know if they how much they sell it in Canada, but I know in the states. In the states, they they ran it. It's it's a huge seller. I mean, it's in like mm-hmm. it's in Trader Joe's, it's in Costco, it's in uh, Whole Foods, it's in Sam's Club, Denny's. Denny's for a while ran Baconology, they called it, and you could either choose you could have bacon with any of your orders, or you could have turkey bacon, and they. The turkey bacon was my dad's turkey bacon, you know, so it was a national. Very cool. It was a national advertising thing. So it was, it was huge, but most of the stuff is not under my dad's company's name, Gotchalls. It's private label. So like Costco, you know, they, it's not Kirkland. I think Costco, mm-hmm. it's called Columbus turkey bacon. It's the best. It is. 
it is tremendous but i love so many different i i there's only a few things in life i really don't like food wise shaved coconut um and anything that gets stuck in my teeth okay i think we need to get uh some advertising on this podcast from your turkey bacon company we'll push we it man. i could help we'll you out with it. that except he's sold yeah. the company since damn it uh that's okay they they can still give us money to advertise with us that that's okay they can still give us money to advertise with us you can call you so, can contact them tell them i sent perfect you. perfect there we go all right we've yacked long enough uh let's invite uh our insiders that we've asked to come on this week uh so in a minute you're there you're going to see susan you're going to see fiona and you're going to oh, there we go there we go and this is where the good questions come in you got the look at this. Matt's got the same jersey. Got same. I knew Matt would have the. I knew Matt would have the holiday jersey on. That's yeah. that's mm-hmm. his. That's his go-to. That was his. I mean, isn't that isn't that your isn't that your name too on Twitter? Yeah, you know holiday it. Holiday parents. You know <laughs> it. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. All right, Matt. We'll get to your question, but we have to go ladies first, right? So, Susan, you're there. Yep. Say hi, hi to Eric and. Uh, I knew about the commercials and I'd seen them before, but Susan actually reminded me. I'd forgotten about them. So I, I, I thank you, Sue, for reminding me. Oh, you're welcome. It was a, a friend of mine that lives in um, Philadelphia that uh, he wanted to join in this, but he's working this morning. But he reminded me of the commercials, so I passed it on to Barry. But thank you for doing this, Eric. It's great to hear from you and love everything you were talking about it was just great i just have one question i just wonder what kind of relationship did you have with certain umpires any funny stories or is there much conversation between catcher and umpire depends on the umpire that's a good question uh joe west I, well you know joe west you can still you can still have relationships with him he saw i was bald so he's like oh this guy must be old so he only treats the he only treats the mouthy people badly, and he only treats the young players badly. So he never saw me as a young player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, my relationships with different guys have been completely different. There was one <clears> – <throat> there's one umpire, Vic Carapazzo. He, <laughs> you see the reaction you just got when you said his name? <laughs> he actually – and it has nothing to do, Susan, has nothing to do with how good of an umpire they are, usually. <laughs> I love Vic. Oh, yeah. I have told Vic maybe he needs to improve some of his calls sometimes. So I can still have an argument with an umpire that I like. You know, I can argue I can argue with my wife. Like, I still love her. So arguments <laughs> don't mean I don't like somebody. But me and Vic, we came up together through the minor leagues. And... I got to know him. I met his wife. I met his, I mean, he's got a brood of kids and it was crazy because I caught a game in the last season that I was playing. I told him it was my last year. I told him I wasn't going to play anymore. And he was like, you know, to see his face, he was happy for me that I was going to be able to retire because he's got, he's got four daughters. One of them's going off to college is in college now. And it was something that was so, so cool. Like, it's not like one instance with he and I, but it's something that we have, you know, we have a relationship that we, 
we both came up together. We both grinded through the minor leagues. I think umpires grind more than players do because there isn't a single friend that umpires have in a stadium. Nobody's like, oh my gosh, look, Stan the umpire. Oh yeah, get his autograph. Like there's, it's not a glamorous job. Nobody's wearing a Vic Carapazzo jersey at the game. I would love to have a number 49 black umpire jersey, the Vic Carapazzo 49. But it's something that they're people too. And so my relationship with these guys is, I, I hope they know it was genuine because I think some guys will just say whatever they want to say to you know, to get a call or to get some type of, you know, hand up in the situation. And, and that's not, you know, for me, it's, it's the relationship with those guys. And I had some funny times and I had some not so funny times, but I was never a guy that was, you know, going to get too close to getting thrown out of games, you know, <laughs> but you still have to argue and you still have to, you got to get your, you got to say your two cents or else they're going to they're going to walk all over you, too. OK, thank you so much. So I mentioned the name Joe West and Sue, thank you so much for your question. And we had uh, there was a long time uh, Blue Jays minor league catcher named Brian Gerolaman. And I don't know if you ever met Brian. J-Roll? Yeah, J-Roll. Oh, my goodness. So, I got sent down to double A because of him. Oh, <laughs> Great, great person, though. So J-Roll was behind the plate and Joe West was umping. And Joe West asked Brian about, you know, so what do you think of my, have you heard my new CD? Because Joe West is a country singer, too. And Brian goes, oh, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. He, thinking this was going to endear him to Joe West. And Joe says to him, what's your favorite song on it? <laughs> and Brian's like, and at that point, the inning ended, and he goes into the dugout during spring training, and he goes up to, you know, Mark Frostat or one of the Help me now. Tell me the name of one of the songs on his new CD. <laughs> so they went and Googled it and looked it up, and Jerome gets back behind the plate, and he goes, you know what? My favorite song is, you know, I Love You Under a Blue Moon or something like that. And Joe West loved him for it. But Yeah. Brian Jerome's a big liar, so <laughs> that was par for the course. <laughs> but, you know, you see it a lot with, I think, mostly in, in a game like basketball where the players really have to learn who all the officials are, know what they can get away with, know what who calls what. As a catcher, was that a big part of your pregame strategy, knowing, okay, we've got this guy behind the plate today, so maybe let's not go, not, let's not paint the outside corner because he's not going to give us that call? That's definitely part of the strategy, but just like with a hitter, like you can't say, well, this hitter – smashes sliders well if my pitcher only throws 80 percent sliders i gotta you know we still gotta go to it you know so you still have to use it but it's it's just another it's another tidbit that you put in there it's another nugget that you put in there you say hey this guy's you know we had him last time or the analytic because now there's umpire analytics and it shows where they're <laughs> where their hot zones are whether whether they know they call more pitches away than in I don't know. Maybe it's, it's usually based on where they set up, but that's the kind of stuff that you remember, you learn and you say, Hey, you know what? He's going to give us two, three inches off the plate. Let's use it. Let's take advantage of it. 
because those are free strikes out there. And obviously you got to have a pitcher that can hit those spots, but a lot goes into that, but it's, it's information and Mm -hmm. it's the game strategy and it's stuff that can help or can hurt you if you don't take advantage of it. Fiona, you're up next with Eric Kratz. Hi, Eric. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Uh, The Jays catchers this year and Kirk and Jansen are quite young. Uh, I think they're excellent, but they had their learning and they're developing along the way. Do you think it's wise for a team to have only young catchers or should there be someone with a little more experience in the mix? That's a good question. Yeah. I, and I, I have differing views on it because just like I talked about before about the, you know, about pitchers and what their strengths are, I think each situation dictates it. So you can't say, ah, oh, well, you can't have two catchers that only have, you know, less than three years of experience because, you know, a guy like, a guy like Jansen, you know, Danny's incredible learner, super smart, super yeah. dedicated to his pitchers. Like he is the epitome of what you want behind the dish as your starting catcher. Um, the issue is when you do have a, another younger catcher as, you know, as Kirk is probably the backup catcher, uh, there's a learning curve in that. There's a learning curve in, in being a starting catcher. You have a lot on your plate. You have a lot that you have to take care of and you have to be the leader on the team, whatever that means, you know, doesn't mean you have to be vocal. You don't have to necessarily, but they have to look to you and be like, all right, we know that this guy is going to be out there. And as Kirk being 21 years old, he doesn't have a lot of experience, but this is one thing that he does have experience in being from Mexico, playing in the Mexican league mm-hmm. is so valuable, so valuable. Playing winter ball is something that those games in winter ball, while they're not big league talent, there's some big league talent, but the, the outcome of the games are big league situations. You don't do good. You don't play. You don't figure out how to call the right pitches. You don't play. And I think there's no better growth for a catcher than playing winter ball. And I know people be like, Oh, I'm exhausted. I got to go, go play winter ball. It's going to be exhausting. It might be, but you can, if you don't go, you know, you can get your rest when you're not playing in the big leagues or you're not having success in the big leagues. To me, I think that's an advantage for him, for him, I think the disadvantage would be as a young player, if you're the backup, and I don't know if they're splitting, I don't know what the playing situation is. I haven't followed the Jays enough this year, but if he's the backup, there's things you need to learn as the backup. Not saying he can't, but that's going to be then on my first roommate ever in professional baseball, John Schneider. He, you know, that's going to be on him. Awesome. To, to be able to be there for Kirk, to be able to be there. Hey, use this time as a learning experience because Kirk's going to see his other young buddies who aren't playing and they don't have as much to worry about, to do. You know, they have baseball things to do, but Kirk's going to have to worry about his baseball. He's going to have to worry mm-hmm. about his preparation. He's going to have to know what every scouting report and situations are so that he can learn during what I would call downtime as a backup catcher. And that's going to be on Schneids. That's going to be on Rivera. That's going to be on 
you know, it's going to ultimately it's going to be on Alejandro to figure that kind of thing out because it's his career. And, you know, it's only detrimental to him if he's going to waste his time. But to me, as a backup catcher at that age, it could be it, it could be detrimental to him only if he chooses to not do anything during that time. So I think it's something that's that can totally work. A young cat, two young catchers can totally work. But you got to have people in place. And I love, I love Charlie Montoya. Mm -hmm. I, I think he is tremendous. And I think his communication and his knowledge of the game and his leadership are second to none. So a guy like that is also important to the success. And catching is a position. It's not like shortstop. You know, Bo Bichette's going to play hopefully 162 games. Mm-hmm. No catcher is going to play 162 games. So what do you get at the catching position in the 162 games? Like if Alejandro hits 300 with one home run and Danny Jansen hits 250 with 20 home runs, now from the catching position, you hit 275 with 21 home runs. That's legit. But if you're heavyweight, one of them, and you're not spending time with one of them or one of them's not carrying their load, it's going to really drag down the whole position as a whole. Where Bo Bichette, he doesn't do good, drags it down. You know, so that's that's how teams, good teams, playoff teams with playoff aspirations, the catching position is so important. And I like – I really like Danny a lot. I, I – I do. I've had, you know, we've hung out before and I keep in contact with him. I've never met Alejandro, but from what Schneid's told me, he wants to get better. And for a 21 year old, that's it. Sky's the limit. The guy can rake too. So that's huge. Wow. Fantastic question. Fantastic uh, question, Fiona. Thank you so much, Matt. Just before we go to you, Tom, you had a follow-up. Yeah. Um, you know, just listening to you break that down. And talk about everything that's going on behind the game, uh, you know, for a young catcher like that. It, it's wonderful how you walk through kind of the, the stages that these players are going through. In Toronto here, we've got a pretty rich history of broadcasters who have come from a catching background, specifically because it gives them the perspectives like what you just showed. So this is at a left field a little bit, but listening to you talk and break that down, is there a part of you that's ever thought, you know, maybe broadcasting is something I'll do? <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Oh, <laughs> nobody's nobody's hiring during COVID. Well, you've got a great demo now. I have a great <laughs> demo tape right here. Perfect. That's what you need, a demo tape. You need <laughs> demo tape and you need people in the position to hire you. No, I would I really would love to do that. I think I think it'd be a lot of fun. And I appreciate you saying that, Tom. Other people have encouraged me with that. Um, and that's kind of part of my what do you call it? Job search. <laughs> but you said you said that came out of left field, and I know nothing about left field. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Matt, you are up next. Uh, say hello again to Eric and fire away. How you doing, pal? Awesome, awesome. Good to see you, man. Yeah. yeah so, uh, what do you think of Gary Sanchez? I know a lot of times, unfortunately, on social media, he's been getting a lot of hate. But I mean, for one thing. I like a power hitter. So for Gary Sanchez, I think that guy can hit 40 home runs. Also, by the way, 
I've been talking to David Cohn and talking to some of the other people. They all send their best wishes to you. Like Lindsay, one of my good friends from Twitter too. Lindsay Adler? Yeah. She's yeah, a good, she actually met up with me, got a picture and everything. Didn't turn out too well. So we kind of trying to find a better one whenever we can. Yeah, yeah so all these people have sent their best wishes. David Thank Cohn and awesome. stuff. That's so awesome. yeah, Gary Sanchez. Like, I mean, it's frustrating. I love Gary. I love Gary. Um, I think it is it, it's a tough situation. Yeah. To play in New York is mm-hmm. tough. And if you go back and look at it, nobody has handled the criticism better than Gary. Because you're always going to get criticism. Yeah. And that's and as a player, people, you know, some players who are like, oh, they just need to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. No, that's not that's not the case. <laughs> like, no, no fan has ever booed you because you did good. So you're already booing yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I remember I went I went two for four with two home run with a home run and a double in a game in Philly. Mm-hmm. And my last at bat was with the game on the line and I struck out. There was booze. But you know where the first boo was? It was right here, right between my ears. I was like, boo, you suck. (laughs) So there is fan fan appreciation is always there. You Mm -hmm. do hear the boos. And unfortunately, negativity in our society gets publicized a lot. But let's bring some realism to the situation. Mm -hmm. And I pick Gary Sanchez to be the AL MVP this year wow because i know not surprised what he can do (laughs) i know and have seen firsthand so i have a i have a jaded insider's view of it and obviously you know there's a lot of analytics and you know there's ways that you can skew analytics to make it look like a player's bad or a player's good whichever way you want to look at it Mm -hmm. gary sanchez from the offensive standpoint, is statistically yep. on pace to be better than Johnny Bench and Mike Piazza, two of the greatest mm-hmm. offensive catchers in our history. Okay, so that's just catching. Gary Sanchez was the fastest to, I forget how many home runs in baseball history. And people say, well, he did a lot of that at the beginning mm-hmm. of his career. He did. He's four years into his career. That's where he's at. Like you can't you can't take it away or or whatever. So offensively, that's there. And the last thing offensively, analytically, because analytics they don't lie. They do not lie. That you nope. cannot have an opinion. Fiona can't say one thing about analytics and Susan say something else because that's their opinion. No, analytics are the numbers and they do not lie. Three people in the game have hit the ball harder no two people have hit the ball harder consistently in their career than gary sanchez one is giancarlo stanton the other is aaron judge third gary sanchez so now has there been ups and downs have there been peaks and valleys absolutely but how many of those peaks and valleys were affected by a foul ball off the wrist a foul ball off the knee, you know, now all of a sudden, oh yeah, he has to go out there and he has to still perform mm-hmm. at the dish like a hall of fame candidate, you know, yeah. 
he's getting he's getting banged up. Now, obviously, the side, the other side of his game is defense. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going to bag on his defense. He's, oh, he's this, he's that. He's not a good blocker, receiver, whatever mm-hmm. it is. If you break it down, in 2017, his receiving numbers, which he gets flack for, were top – I think it was top eight in the league. Mm-hmm. And nobody said anything. All they ever talked about was the pass balls. You know who had more pass balls than him? Yasmani Grandal. Yasmani Grandal just signed a $80 million or $60 million contract with the White Sox to be their savior for the organization behind the dish. Mm-hmm. And every year, he has more and more pass balls. The difference with Grandal is he doesn't play in the New York market. Mm-hmm. So Gary said to me, he goes, he goes, Kraki. He said, Kraki, you know what? He said, everybody's so mad about pass balls last year. This was in 2018 <laughs> in spring training, sir. I'm not going to have any more pass balls. He said, I'm going to do everything for no more pass balls. I was like, okay, that's great, Gary. His receiving numbers went down. His mm. pass balls also went down. <laughs> so he took care of that. But then all of a sudden, oh, his receiving numbers are awful. We need to bring somebody in, change his receiving. He needs to do this. Meanwhile, <laughs> he made another all-star team. He hit 30-plus home runs. Now, you know, he went back-to-back years of two different defensive positioning or defensive shortcomings, as, as people would talk about in the media and everything. And this guy is super athletic. So it would be like saying, okay, well – you did really well last year, but what I want you to do is I want you to get like this now. People would give you grace. They'd give you grace. But behind the plate, nobody's giving them grace. New York, they ain't giving you grace. I no. think they booed Giancarlo Stanton in his third at bat this year in the stadium. I'm sure he did grand slam. That's just, yeah. Like, and that's and that's where they're at. And a lot of guys will shut down and they'll go into a shell and they'll just be like, I'm not talking to anybody. You're going to treat me like that. I'm not talking to anybody. Gary doesn't do that. Gary stands up in front of the mic. Gary stands up in front of his teammates and he's not a vocal leader. He's not a, you know, he's not a rah-rah guy. What he is, is a guy that's going to go in. He's going to do his work. He's going to be ready to play. And he's slowly throughout this season, because I watched more Yankees games than, you know, mm-hmm. Phillies and Yankees games are the games I watch. And Who's hitting fourth in DH on the days that he's not playing now? Mm-hmm. And and all of us, you know, Yankees fans and the Yank and New York media, right? They wanted to sit there and they were they were roasting them. Like, how are they going to even non tender? You know, they might non tender. Uh-huh. You non tender him? If yeah. the Jays were the first team up to claim him on the mm-hmm. tender deadline, whatever it was, uh-huh. the tender, yeah. stuff, they'd have given Gary Sanchez a two year deal. Danny Jansen would be the backup and Alejandro would be in the minor leagues. Like that's how he is. He is good. He's good. He's so good. And and I know I'm going off on a tangent here, Matt, but I'm glad you brought it up. I love Gary Sanchez and I would put him in my lineup. And me too. <laughs> baseball than, than Kyle Higashioka, that combo of two players at that position, the best in the game right now. Kyle's telling the Jays, actually, funny enough, eh? Kyle is three home runs and in a two home run game. 
kills the Jays. He's a Jay killer. I think it's illegal to kill Blue Jays, but he is killing Blue Jays. I have heard, Eric, and maybe you can confirm this, that at Yankee Stadium, even the cardboard cutouts will boo players. <laughs> they, they did do that. They did do that. What? Tom, this is where you need a drum set. Oh, man, you know what? I have one. It's just in the other room. Barry, for the next You have a lot of you have guitars, and you have you got a lot going on there. Yeah, this it's is my this studio. Is, it's kind of my workspace. This work is our show-off little thing, right? We should carry yeah, well. I didn't even see yours. Oh, yeah, look. Oh, Barry, look at your guitars. Whoa. Yeah, I got, I, I've got a collection here. Nice. I don't get that. I don't get why people have more guitars that aren't signed by, like, Carlos Santana or something. Because you can't play wow. them at the same time. I managed to play each and every one of them. Uh, listen, we could do this all day, uh, but I'm sure some of us have to get back to our isolation and sitting alone at home all day. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're 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 in serious lockdown mode here in Ontario, and uh, things are getting worse and worse. So, uh, yeah, for those of for those of uh, us that are watching and had a chance to partake it it was a nice uh relief from all the crap that we have to watch on the news all the time so uh <laughs> thanks so much for doing this uh we got to get you in the broadcast booth uh, i think i think blue jay fans would love to have you as a regular part of the broadcast there is former toronto blue jay former i'm gonna, I'm gonna go through all the teams again tom eric kratz you know him you love him fantastic guy what a lot of fun it was to chat uh with kratzy couple of programming notes coming up on next week's show we will be uh having a oh, this is a this is a tough one folks um as we're gonna be joined by jeremy accardo and his wife carly who uh they lost their daughter layton uh not that long ago she was uh nine years old uh, she passed away from cancer and where they are in living in phoenix the coyotes have done some unbelievable things uh, in layton's memory so real looking forward to that conversation tom yeah, it's, you know, as a father of young children myself, uh, this is one that really tugs on my heart. And, and you know, such a wonderful family and a wonderful story that they want to share. And, and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. But, you know, it's, it's hard to know how to feel. Yeah, absolutely. And the following week, we'll be joined by former Toronto Blue Jay, Marco Estrada. Now, remember, uh, you are welcome to join in on these Zooms like you saw on this last one and it's very easy to get involved and sit in with these players and my goodness tom and this is such a a wonderful opportunity it's i, I saw somebody did a virtual autograph session with pat henkin and they got like 30 seconds or one minute with them type of thing over <laughs> zoom and i'm thinking you becoming out of the park insider you get like an hour sitting in the room with them and then your own time asking questions to them so how can you beat that yeah exactly you can't and all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash out of the park and throw three dollars a month our way five dollars a month our way and as barry and i have discussed on this show many many times 150 bucks a month our way to is just fine but for whatever <laughs> you do want to pay you know you get to sit in on these conversations and and you know it, they're not just baseball talks. They're they're really powerful human stories that we're sharing every week. You know, Kratz is a perfect example. This week was a wonderful talk with him. Next week is going to be a really really powerful one. And uh, come on in. 
Absolutely. Well, Tom, uh, here's some news for you. Uh, at some point soon, one of our Out of the Park Insiders could become your new co-host because looks like I am uh, a lot closer to retirement than, than I thought I might have been. So <laughs> good luck. I'll hand you the keys when it's all said and done. We can do Tom, a contest. <laughs> yeah. Tom, thank you so much. And to all of you, thank you so much for making us a part of your week.